The third season of F&Rad is supported by the Boardroom Snowboard Shop and Wired Snowboards, both operating out of Vancouver and shipping to anywhere in North America. The Boardroom's a premium snowboard shop with so many brands I could never even begin to list them all. They offer a performance guarantee on everything they sell, a price guarantee, and extended warranties with every board they sell, I think, as well. And the boards they sell will include Wired Snowboards, Wired is a small company out of Vancouver run by Rob Dow, which makes high-quality, well-designed boards. I rode my Chase 162 this morning. I love days that I get to ride my powder board. It's the best. You can support both these companies by going to their websites, boardroomshop.com or wiredsnowboards.com. You can save 10% at checkout using our offer codes FNRAD10 at the Boardroom Shop and F and Rad at Wired Snowboards. Welcome to season three of the fucking Rad Snowboard Podcast. Okay, perfect. One second, please. Hi, this is Sean. I'm not here right now. You have reached Mike. Hi, this is Jim. Leave me a message and I will call you back as soon as I can. Hi, you've reached Jeremy Jones. Yeah, I'm going to call you back instead. <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> hey, listeners. Welcome back to the podcast. This week's guest is Mike Bassage, who's had a 25-year career as a pro snowboarder on his own terms. Many of you will have seen his off-grid home in California featured in various snowboarding-related articles on the internet. The home features beautiful stonework, a thermal hot tub, a private chairlift, which will even eventually be powered by the river running through his property. And some of you will know he has a collection of incredible snowboarding shots he took as a photographer and rider using remotes and fancy cameras. I saw his tiny home in the parking lot at Baker and tracked him down for a short conversation, which we initially agreed would be about 10 minutes long. Earliest is probably, see I was on Kemper in like 93, nice. would they? That Kemper team was all time. Would they send you guys around? Hetzel's on the team, it you was... and your sister. Yeah. Heine's on the team. Yeah, Heine. Like, there was some funny ones. Like, Smoking Jay was on it for a while. Yeah. Tom Burt. Billy Anderson. Uh, Noah was on there for a while, too. Uh-huh. Did Noah predate you on Kemper, or was he there when you were there, too? No, he was He was there, like, the year after I was. And after, I, yeah. I remember entering the first contest he was in. He entered as a novice. And was, like, he had a broken wrist from skating. Not boring. We were both in the junior department. <laughs> so are you younger than Tina? Yeah, I'm three three years younger than Tina. So you were ahead of the game at getting started at that age, right? I had a little, yeah. That's rad. Young, and I was the, luckily I had my sister to like help me travel the world, you know, at such a young age as well. Yeah, how old would you have been on the Kemper team? That lasted four years. That's rad. And I, when I signed with Hooger Booger, was kind of my big movement. I you had a pro model on Hooger Booger before yeah. when they called it Hooger Booger. Yeah, right, yeah. That's amazing. That was a big like shift in my like what I was able to do because I I made some good money from it. And so Rad. Kemper was more like what's, just freeloading it up. Life. What, what's the Hooger Booger story? Who are those guys? Who were they? Hooger, I heard Hooger Booger was someone's nickname. Okay, and it was a. European company that Scott Europe bought, Scott Goggles. Yep. <clears throat> and they ran it as Hooger 
for a while before they did the Scott boards. Yeah, because Scott was the, the distribution of it. Yeah, and then that's right when snowboarding became like, oh, this is actually a serious business. Mm -hmm. They were like, okay, we're gonna make it Scott. Yeah, did you ride for Scott when they did I, that? I did. Yeah, Those, I rode... remember the radius board. I, I oh, remember riding yeah. that and being like, this is insane. <laughs> they, I think they put like a six meter side cut on like a 160 uh -huh. and you could just bow that board out and just like rock it. They came and did demos at our local hill and I, I think I might have even rode one of those for a couple of months or something because I liked it. I bought in. Yeah. So you went from Hooger to, to that. I think, okay, so we'll start the, I think our levels are pretty good. It's going to be a little... I'm gonna put it in front of you. You've got a softer voice. Perfect. Um, if I have 10 minutes with Mike Bassich, what am I gonna ask him? It's gonna be about the run of selfies and where did that idea come from? And oh. I love that thing. <laughs> the one out of the helicopter. You like that one? A lot of people remember me as that that, that shot. And that, it, a lot of people don't know you took it. Like yeah, yeah. Not not. It's it's a definitely a unique one, and I mean that's part of why I dove into the whole project was to these ideas in my head. I wanted to capture them. Years of using other photographers was great, but I never captured what I truly wanted, how I wanted to present myself, or what was going on inside, you know, emotionally. So I figured out how to do that with different remotes and soldering wires together, and I kind of did it with one image and. Uh, and, and the idea of the project and after I did the first one I was like wow there's, there's actually a lot of room here to like be progressive and it wasn't super like the cool thing you know like oh he's taking a photo of himself <laughs> you know <laughs> I don't think selfie the term existed at that point did it? it not really no which it was funny because the photos that ran in the magazine would say photographer Mike Bassett writer Mike Bassett you know I'm like <laughs> Yeah, it kind of like kind of made sense if you thought about it a little bit, but it was something that took a couple of years to kind of prove myself in some form, because it wasn't. Uh, I think the artistic side of the photographs is what kind of carried across as like more of a legit thing than just the idea like taking a selfie. From my perspective, as just a consumer of snowboarding stuff, it made it incredibly amazing to look at like there's a point in your in snowboarding where you see behind the curtain a little bit and you're like oh the top snowboarders ride with the top photographers and that's how mm -hmm. we get these images right. it's not just jamie lynn is just riding around and his friend gill takes a photo because we all know how crappy those photos go even guys like myself i invested in a nice camera got good lenses kind of learned about aperture and shutter speeds and my shots were shit. They oh, were terrible. I, well, mine weren't great either. <laughs> like, it took a lot of work. Half of the stuff I did didn't turn out. Um, which, because, like, when I had my camera, I, I, knew, I knew nothing about light apertures, like, like meters. I didn't know what that was. And I started getting into it more where, like, okay, I understand, like, how to make something in focus and the background out of focus. And it, 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 there's a beauty in me not knowing about photography because I, like, approached it a little differently. Totally. And that was a fun part where I kind of got, I bent the rules a little bit. I did some weird stuff with cross-processing and stuff. And I wasted a lot of, not not efforts, but it, I went out of my way a lot to do, like, one shot. Sure, sure, <laughs> you know? yeah. And, it, and with the weather, like, you know, as it is, like, when you hike a hill, I had to hike everything twice. You just, set up. You set up. And set hike, the shot. Then hike up the hill that you're going to do. It's unbelievable. And then by the time... 
you're at the top, you know, it's like the clouds rolling, the aperture's wrong, or the lens fogs up, or so then a lot of times I'd push the button and it'd shoot the whole roll, you know, so I wouldn't get the shot. Oh, no. <laughs> but it was really fun to, it, it, what saved me in, as far as like transferring my career out of competition was as a photographer, I mean, I wasn't really a photographer at that time, but I was able to pitch companies that didn't have a budget <clears throat> or didn't believe in like hiring, you know, a writer that was already in their older age because yep. everybody was focused on the 15 year old. Totally. And so I, I was able to pitch myself as like, hey, if you don't have the budget for your writers, like, how about your photography budget? And nice. They're, and they're like, oh, well, yeah, we have that. So we can pay you for a trip or something or put you on a retainer. And so I was able to give them images of the writers I was already going to ride around with and shoot photos with. Right. But at the same time, I was able to do my own career. I love a, that. Uh, You've been inspiring to me in your ability to come up with these creative things that keep your career going you were kind of being apologetic for the selfies thing and i'm like what that was <laughs> groundbreaking it was crazy awesome like i really enjoyed it and i thought that's super inventive yeah and your house like so every time you're back on the radar i'm like oh he's got this wicked house oh he's got a fucking t-bar he's got a chairlift at his house now oh he's gonna make it run from the river beside his Come on, really? That's amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, you've, your career as a competitor was impressive. You went through the X Games circuit. Were you more big air? You weren't, like, because I remember you competing half-pipe as a really young guy. Yeah, the pipe was okay for two years. Yep. I did okay, and then um, I, I, I moved to Utah. I rode yep. Snowbird during the time I was competing in the half-pipes. And I came in love more with backcountry, so I didn't focus too much on half-pipe. And that's <clears throat> kind of the time when Big Air started coming into the game. So it was an easier thing to kind of make a career out of for a while, make some money. Mm -hmm. um, and it was fun. I got to travel a lot of places where there wasn't snow. Like, they had these big kickers in the middle of London and, like, that's Amsterdam. Right. And like, so that, that was fun, and it was kind of more my place where I, I was a little more... Uh, friendly with the crowds i guess you could say so the people who put on the events liked my energy and perfect invited me to a lot of different events because of that and after the half pipe went into the big air i i kind of got into photography a little bit during the big air part and everything that i've done after that has kind of been like you know like you're saying just I, i've tried to recreate a little new something new and I think that's kind of why I got into snowboarding in the first place, was because it's so fresh. There's a lot of new like grounds to be like totally. put in the stone and new ideas, and I'm still kind of chasing that. I guess you could say to yeah, it's incredible. New ideas and get creative. And my cabin and the lift, like a lot of that, has a lot to do with trying to create something unique for an experience that doesn't have to do with age. All right, it's not t it's timeless. Absolutely. Because that's kind of, I think all of us now in snowboarding, we're at an age now where like, well, we still want to do it. Like, we still want to love riding and being, I, I love being part of the industry still, so you have to reinvent yourself in some ways to keep that new envelope being pushed. Because companies in the past, it took me a good 10 years before a company knew how to market what I do. 
you know, and it's, I, I wouldn't know either exactly, you know, it's just, <laughs> but because it's, it's, it takes a lot of energy and it's kind of risky when everyone's just focused on the 15 year old kid and, you know, the Olympics was a big part when I quit, the Olympics started kicking in. It's like, a big push on that. Snowboarding has had that since the beginning, this kind of, who's going to be the next Sean White? And especially, people, I, I don't know exactly what the years were, but like maybe around 2000, end of the 90s, really hot, good riders that had accomplished a lot career-wise, especially competitions, started finding themselves without sponsors, like abruptly. I think what I saw, because I lived with a couple of pro snowboarders in my years and yep. come and gone, and I think the people that got involved in snowboarding, say, 10 years, like, say, mid-90s, yep. was a lot to be like, I want to be a pro snowboarder. Mm -hmm. Anybody before that really didn't get into snowboarding to be a pro snowboarder, so they're kind of still doing it on some level, mm -hmm. and the people that got into the heat of the industry when it was peaking, um, when it was gone, it was the interest was gone, or they didn't. There's no pathway to understand how to go from there. Mm -hmm. And and snowboarding is so young that they didn't really. There is no structure. To, this is what you do when you don't compete anymore. Like a lot, a lot of them became team managers and stuff, but that's not really a longer long term job. Mm -hmm. um, but back to like just being creative. There's so there's so much room in snowboarding to be creative, and it kind of helps a lot when companies see your vision but again if you're trying to do something new no one actually knows what it is yet so right right <laughs> so how many times have you gone to a gone to a sponsor and said this is what i want to do and they go yeah is that something that happens fairly frequently that you're that you're able to get these guys on board for say, like your cabin is kind of it's a personal thing so you can't really go to a sponsor and say I want to build myself a house. How do you want to get involved in this? Yeah. And that's that, your company. That's yeah, two for one. That's two for one. But like the cabin was like my personal side dream. You know, like in snowboarding, some people like brought in their like painting passions and the sure. crossed over into snowboarding. And I've, I've, I tried to do the same with that with my cabin. So cool. my cabin was my own personal funding project, but I'm trying to create a lifestyle that I want to promote. If I'm yeah. going to leave a mark in this world, I want to promote, like, being in nature and being governed by nature. And as far as pitching companies to help different, like, tiny home projects, today is just as hard as it was 20 years ago. Even with your it's, success in it yeah. and you being the top of the top <clears throat> of the game in the... It, it still, like, takes a lot of work. It's a very emotional. I get burnt out here and there and, sure. like, you know what? I could go work for a month. And it'll probably be less energy yeah. than all the phone calls, all the har harassing people. Right. And so there's a borderline of like, where do, how much do I want to be involved in like a industry feeling part? There's certain people that could could get me connected with, say, a car company mm -hmm. to get a car to do a car conversion. But I don't, I don't have that those channels, which I, I would love to if I get a car tire company to support. You know, that would be sick. Like, because I, I have a lot of dreams. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The projects I want to do. But it's, um, I'm a one-man show. I tried to have an agent about a year ago. Mm -hmm. First agent I ever had in my whole career. Didn't work so well. And I think part of it, because I can't, I can't explain myself completely what I'm going to do. I've had some people here and there, like, give me some money. Like, I don't know what you're going to do, but whatever it is, like, I want to support it. We're and in. This yeah. is what we can do right now. Cool. And we'll talk after, you know, six months or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, 
you get a lot of people like already replying before they even hear what the whole story is you know and that I learned that in the photography part where the, the team managers like will start saying like on autopilot like no we don't have any budget we're not bringing them I'm like well can I just pay you can I, ride? Can I pay you for riding you know like this throwing out bullshit ideas and yeah it's just you're just you realize okay I'm not the cool person like that they're all looking for whether that's a cool person or the hot flavor of marketing thing that you can it's always these weird things like when I think back on step-in bindings right and they're making a resurgence but remember how big of a deal that was <laughs> like if you were if you came to somebody in 96 and said we've got a step in binding they would just throw money at you <laughs> even though this is an idea that's going to just fizzle out there's always this striving for like what are we going to sell at the shop level next year it's got to be new it's got to be hot we got to be on it and you owned a shop or you own a shop? I had a shop in the past and it wouldn't last very long. Was yeah. that, because I remember my first real exposure to you and the lifestyle thing that you'd chosen was a hundred words for snow. Okay. And there was a long yeah. sequence of you packing oh, up the really? shop, putting your sled in your truck and driving up the, the Alaska highway, right? Right. I yeah. love that. Yeah, that was that was a shop where I left the beginning of that intro was my shop and yeah. I, I did it with a partner that I didn't know very well but yeah ran into the ground but it, it, it was actually a really beautiful experience because I I have a clothing company you know now then so I know what it's like for a store yeah you know so I, I, I'm able to flex on payment terms when I can and I, and I do even if they don't ask just because I know it's very it's cool. very beneficial and same with just the way the winter works you know if it doesn't snow it's like Shit, I better get product moved to a different location or get, get creative with it. Like, and do you ship your stuff yourself? Like, are you a one-man show with that? Or is that a company that you're at the helm of? The, the level I'm at with the U.S. is just me. But I'm lucky enough, the people I work with in Japan, which is my main market. Yep. And that happened because I won a contest years ago. And I work with a company that has beautiful factories in Japan. So we make high-end outerwear. And I could still snowboard and not have to be a business person in all day. Wonderful. Yeah, so it's a, it's a good, great place. But I and for the U.S., it's um, a lot of shops like me showing up with a tiny house, it's like more personal. It's different than like some Burton rep showing up and like it's this autopilot thing. So I'm trying to keep that flavor, and I hope it always stays there. Like just yeah, more and hope that it doesn't burn you out doing the trip. Like if right. you enjoy doing it, that's a bonus. Yeah, and I think like as a if it's a snowboard career or clothing company or you know anything it's like it, it survives through the downtimes. yeah when you have that drive that's it it's like i love it i want to do it even if i have to sleep in a tent right you know it's like right because people see you go okay at the x games you're winning you get you're holding up a giant check and they go oh that's why he's doing it because look at all that money <laughs> but then three years later when you're just snowboarding and taking a picture of yourself they're like oh wait he's doing it for something other than that right yeah my my photography was an, a unique one because I had no I had no sponsors during that time and I wow. took all the money that I I did make from competitions and like like I just believed in like there's something here to like have fun with invested in yourself that's so, so dope dude that's my favorite <laughs> thing I remember Terry Kidwell came up to the shop to promote the Vancouver Olympics 2010 there wasn't much nostalgia going on in the industry but he he brought up his these beautiful boards his uh -huh. personal collection of Sims. 
from back in the day. And I remember asking him, like, so what do you do now in the snowboard industry? He's like, I work at a gas station, dude. And I was like, our hero of heroes, our legend of legends, our number one freestyle, the, the absolute undisputed father of freestyle isn't supported by snowboard companies right now? What is that? It seems like that era might be over. Yeah, you know, all the different steps I've taken and I've learned so much, you know, different phases and how to work with people in the magazine industry and marketing, and like how to promote myself. And I'm left with like, yeah, a great deal of knowledge. And I mean, we're only here for so many years. It's like, it's a short blink of an eye. Like, it's like, yeah. have some fun. Like, if you got to sleep in a tent for a while, that's, that's okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like... All the other big stuff, I've, I've tried it, the big stuff, and it's, yeah, it doesn't really supply. Only for me, it didn't, you know, having fancy stuff. Like, I love having nice stuff, you know, like, so I can, like, get to the top of the mountain and be warm, but, you know, th that stuff's out there in different ways. Yeah, you can't buy a house that has this view. You have to build a house and bring it here. Exactly. <laughs> what's, a, what's a typical season for you look like now? You're doing your sales trip. In, in your... Yeah, like I'll start off the season kind of getting a little bit ready with my cabin. Yeah. Just kind of maintenance, tidying up the place, trying to tune up the chairlift, snowcat. How does that work, by the way? Like, is it at the point where it's run by the river, or you're still? It's, it's I'm still, still I'm still working. I, I got about three hundred feet of pipe laid so far. Yeah. And I got another like thousand feet to go. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, and so probably by next summer I'll, I'll have I'll bet I'll have the line done. Because right. it, it pro there's so many projects to do there. Yeah, I have to kind of pick the ones that matter. Or, you know, do you have a bunch of friends that uh, you know raise their hand and say, "Hey, yeah, call for, me the, the lift." Like, there's a lot of people that helped out with that. And, right, like, it was a really unique project. So a lot of people had fun, and like it was, it, we he'll he'll build it pretty hard. It was pretty sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll yeah, I'll get you know get ready for the winter and usually like work at my ever warehouse not far from my cabin that's below snow level so that's kind of where I kind of like have my welders and all that stuff I my brain kind of like works in a way where I'll pick a project you know like build a new tiny house and get ready for the winter with that in some level and this year I hit the road doing some trade shows and some photo shoot stuff but this has been a year for me to focus pretty heavily on my clothing just because it has the everything's in line right now. I got all the ducks in a row. Like Rad. my quality's good, the pricing's right. You know, the distribution's easy. Delivery's on time. Yeah, everything's your just got are the crew ready to go. Who does you? Who does your distribution up in Canada? Um, I, I do it out of the U.S. Oh wow! Yeah. Do you have a couple of big shops up there? Or are you right now? Only have uh, Evolution in Whistler. Brad. Yeah, which those I'm guys super are good. Stoked on them. But um, yeah, I'm here to like advance on any way that I can. With I'll talk me. to a couple of people. Yeah, yeah, like Board that's how I kind of like yeah. operate. It's like meeting people, and I hit the road for two weeks, and just visit stores. And uh, social media is actually a beautiful tool to work with people. It's really it's, good. I'm more just trying to like, hey, you're my audience. You're the people who are snowboarding, buying product. Like, do you where do you want it? Like, do you want it in your town? Like, yeah, what's the store like? So That's I've, right. I've met up some great shops that way. It's perfect. And, uh, trying to just enter in a different way where I'm just helping the community, trying to build something together. Yep. And so that's almost over. In about a week, I'll tidy up all my deadlines for orders, 
yep. and then I'll kind of put that to sleep just because I got it the production will start soon yep and then uh I'm gonna go home and get ready my tiny house ready more I gotta build out a kitchen inside and get ready for Alaska Rad. so I'll be kind of prep prep for that how how long do you spend in Alaska what's uh it, it varies on projects this year I don't have exactly a project in mind Rad. but I missed last year and I I realized how much it I missed it cool so I'm gonna just go up and st I'll probably stay a month this year mostly of April are you good friends with like Jeremy Jones and the things that he's doing in the backcountry? Like, because yeah. there's a there's a parallel between the two of you, just in like as he's unplugging and he's you know getting out of the helicopters and and walking into places that are you know in his mind better. I I, I don't know because I've never been either. I right. love helicopters. If I can go in a helicopter, oh, I just love it. It's yeah, my favorite there, there's thing. a there's a difference in. What we do and why, I think. Okay. Like Jeremy, I, I love what Jeremy does. I've known him for many years. Yep. Um, we don't, we, for some reason, we don't ride a lot together. <laughs> but uh, he, he has, his brothers have a beautiful media company, like a film company. TGR, yeah. And so he, J Jones is able to like expand projects pretty far. Yep. You know, if he was going to split board his own camera gear and clothes, like it's pretty hard. Yep. You know. So I, I, I personally can't do that as an individual. Right. You know, so I kind of like choose the days and yeah, if I need a helicopter or snowmobile, join that. I like hiking, but <laughs> yeah. if I can snowmobile, snow, snowmobile more, more because all of us only have like 10 days out of the year that are like, the snow's good, the lighting's good, the conditions are good, like, the terrain's good, the vibe's good. Did and you, everything works like yeah did you did you uh snowmobile up in utah when you first moved there or was i that, did yeah, yeah that's actually where i bought my first sled was out there and that zone because it's a like so all the resorts are on this side and then this stuff in the middle is just all oh, sled yeah. access it's pretty fun. seems incredible yeah it's not super long stuff but right utah is great for capturing film and stuff because it's Barbie angles, and it's not huge AK. Like Alaska is amazing, but the bigger it is, it's really hard to shoot. And if it's too big, it it just it's hard to understand it. Right. Uh, and that's like why a lot of films they're nice to watch, but they don't you don't see them a lot now. Yeah. You know, it's like mini golf sets. You like works really good on a film. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. What do you think about Travis and his whole thing with his? Travis Rice with his right, yeah, I, I, because he's I'm, got a media machine that's just churning oh, out stuff. I, I'm I'm stoked for Travis because he is one of the only ones out there that I know of that has the ability to do something different, and he's doing it different in a really big way, and he he's has the writing ability too to make it you know really like worthwhile doing it. Yeah, you know, I I love to be involved in something like that, but I'm I'm also just kind of like. I don't know, off on the side, doing something on the sideline always. And that's how I've always been like Yeah, that. you kind of have your own thing, right? <laughs> like, so when you have your own thing, people just go, oh, he's got his own thing. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I, I Yeah. But you're at that level that, you know, whatever project you get involved with, is, they're, they're going to be psyched. People are hyped. I'm hyped to talk to you, man. <laughs> it, I saw your tiny... Or your, your tiny home in the in the parking lot, and I was like, "Yes, he's here." Anyway, yeah, I was stoked great. to make it. I got lucky. Uh, Cliff Bar had a spot for me in the comps. That's I'm killer. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll show up because it's, it's it's this is not an easy contest to get in. 
No, it is not. <laughs> I, they they say on the entry form, "Have you been denied entry before?" <laughs> How many times? I'm like, I think I'm up at eight now. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, I've applied eight years in a row without. Yeah, but it, it, but just being here, you know, it's like it's pretty fun. so fun. It's pretty. Well, actually, being here and not being in the contest. I'm like, I'm glad I didn't get in. <laughs> I can't believe that first turn looks like oh, it's a just a... It's, it's gnarly. If you're goofy, you've got an advantage. Right. But the guy who's winning's regular, so <laughs> go figure that out. Right. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm glad you made it to the finals. That's dope. That's really I'm exciting. Excited. I can't yeah. wait to see how tomorrow goes. Yeah. And is it, I think the weather's not supposed to hold, is it? I think it's going to be snowing tomorrow, raining tomorrow. To snow. snow, yeah. It's supposed to snow. It oh, wait, snowing. no, there's rain in the forecast, too, isn't there? <laughs> it, this is Baker. It always yeah, comes yeah. and goes. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me, man. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything that you want to talk about that's... Well, you know, I, I, I like, as far as my own work, I like my work speaking for myself. And if it doesn't speak, then it doesn't speak. <laughs> you know, that, that's yeah. rad. You've you've been really successful at what you're doing. That's the main thing. Yeah. Is that yeah. as a as a snowboarder, you're super inspirational and it's it's been fun. You know, I have no complaints. It's not easy, and that's something I've learned to, that people don't understand a lot. It's like if something feels hard, they sometimes don't do it. You know, but that's actually part of the main ingredients. It's like it's like hiking a hill. It's like it's hard. It's you know, you really enjoy the run, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, man. Life's life's designed to be hard, you know. It's like not not the easy route is not the answer always. Oh, I gotta agree with you on that for sure. Yeah, and I think if you see something that looks easy, that means that person mastered that. Yeah, that is rad, dude. Thanks, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Super stoked to meet you. Effin' Rad shout out this week to my daughter Emma, who's taking aerospace engineering at Concordia University and absolutely crushing it. I'm leaving in eight hours to visit her in Montreal, and we'll be there when this episode comes out. Special thanks to the boardroom and Wired, and be sure to come back next week for another episode of the Effin' Rad Snowboarding Podcast brought to you by BR Productions. <laughs>